Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. It's like once the nine-year-old started realizing he could fight me, the younger kids were like, wait, the mom doesn't have any absolute power? What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I would definitely not have talked to my parents like this. With Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson. You think you can talk like that to me? I got all day to come back at you. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Everybody gets an equal voice doesn't really work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we're talking about when kids talk back. Do we need to talk about this in my house? The last, so I have a fourth grader a second grader and a kindergartner. Now all going into the grade above, you do the math. Really the last six months, this has exploded in my house. It's been going on longer than that for, for me, obviously. But yeah, I think it is around nine or 10 that just all of a sudden there is no reasonable request or suggestion that your mother makes that can't be uh, retorted. Return, right, with a, why? Why should I do that? Why do I have to do that right now? Why are you, why are you telling me... My son has developed the charming, I don't know, he heard it somewhere and he thought it was funny. And now whatever I ask him to do, he just goes like this, nope. And he thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> and let me tell you what it's not, Amy. Hilarious. And he's not doing it to be funny. He's doing it to- He's uh, kind of doing it to be funny, but I have tried to express to him how much I don't find it funny. I'm like, oh, it's time to get on my path. And he just goes, nope. Yeah, it's infuriating. It really is that age where they start to like, you are God to them. You know, you're Zeus. You're this all-powerful figure. And then about eight or nine, the cracks begin to show. And they're like, wait, what if I just say no to God? And it is around this age. So I have a funny story about this. My my daughter um, has, uh, she has migraines all the time. And she has to take medicine for them to kind of keep them at bay. And- you know, she does and she's cooperative and there's a good job. They asked us at her hospital the last time we were there to take part in a study. You know how I love studies, right? And she was going to get you $20. You were like, yes, please. Do I, can I pay you to be in the study? And the study, so they hand her an iPad and she has to answer the questions. And there were those questions that like on a scale of extremely likely, kind of likely, not likely, like one of those, like, you right. know, click which dot matches your, and all the questions were when my 
mother tells me to take my migraine medication, it makes me not want to take my migraine medication. Or the next thing was like, when my mother tries to tell me about ways I can control my migraine, it makes me mad because I know those things already. Ooh. Every question was like that because obviously the gist of the study was how does the friction between an adolescent and his or her parent around everything affect whether the kid's going to, you know, treat their migraines. So anyway, you can see where that might be an issue for teenagers. But my nine-year-old was sitting there and she was looking up at me like, and she actually said, Mom, why would I not take my medicine when you tell me to? <laughs> You're like, like, ask me in three years, yeah. honey. Like, I have no idea. She's like, why, why would I be mad at you for telling me things that I know would help me feel better? Yeah. Oh, if, she if had only no you could idea. encase her in carbonite right now. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it just it was horrifying. So I'm like, I saw my future, and and she was right. She was like protagonist of a horror movie, the only one who didn't know that there's a monster behind the door, and it's yeah. her. What? Everything's fine here in Clear Lake, right? right. Yeah, while well, people are getting picked off one by one. Yeah. So I do think that this starts to happen, and and truthfully, yes, in in the maybe six to nine months since we had that conversation, I'm just starting to see the dawnings of the why. Go brush your teeth. Why? Go take a shower. I don't want to. Like, that, like oh my God. And Here when you get it from go. three out of three, it starts to, it's, it, it makes me crazy. Well, I feel like my nine-year-old is like, you know how in every movie there's like, whatever, the like white hooded guards and everybody's just kind of like, you can never fight the giant government system that we are living in you know, horror underneath, like Hunger Games or whatever. And then there's always the scene where like the poor put upon people are up against like the white helmeted like guards. Then someone like throws a rock and then it's that all the people realize like, oh, we could fight them. Yes. I feel like that's what it is like having a nine-year-old and then younger kids. Like once the nine-year-old started realizing he could fight me, the younger kids were like, Wait, the, mom doesn't have any absolute power? Like the whole system fell apart once the nine-year-old threw the first rock. You are so right. And that's why it's so it's so frustrating. I feel like, to go like back in my day on this for a moment, I, I, I think part of the reason I feel like this is like, I would never, I would have certainly said to my mother, I don't want to go take a shower, but I, I don't think I would have talked back to her. Like when, when I was helping my, um, my son pack for summer camp, yesterday, you know, trying to help, like I'm going to assist him doing it three hours in, you know, while he's rolling on the floor with the dog and I'm doing it. Then, then he, then he starts telling me how I make everything worse, you know, and just leave him alone and let him do it because I make everything worse. And I, and I like, of course I'm like seeing red, but I'm also feeling like I would, I would definitely not have talked to my parents like this. Like it just yeah. was not allowed. When we were talking to Kevin Madsen from Hey Dad and he was making the fairly good point that like he's this new kind of dad where like he's really in touch with his kids and he's not this like, you know, kind of silent authoritarian figure that dads used to be and he's this new dad and it's great. And I was pushing back a tiny bit and saying like, there's room for both roles a little bit. Like, I think this is what I was talking about. Like, yes, it's great that we're also in touch with our kids and their needs and their feelings, but everybody gets an equal voice doesn't really work with kids. That's and right. Adults. That's right. Not everyone gets an equal voice. I'm in charge and you're my minion. Do what I say. Yeah. And don't throw rocks or we will put down the rebellion. <laughs> I'm basically Darth Vader and they are the people who I am trying to control. 
yeah, like being able to rely on that wait till your father gets home. Like things were things weren't necessarily all wonderful back then. But but yeah, like there were just were times when I were like just like a sideways glance from my mother was all you know what she would do, Nancy Wilson? She never she never yelled, but she would Come on, Nancy. If she got to the clenched teeth like I said get oh. in the car. Like that was as mad as she got and I and right. then you better do That's it. That's all it took. We were we had a station wagon. Four kids, back seat. My mom had a hand that would just come over the back seat. <laughs> like that thing where you're driving and everyone's screaming and everyone's acting crazy and the parents are going, My husband and I were just lost somewhere. And of course the kids are like, When are you gonna fix my Lego? He's touching me. And we were lost and it was dark and we're in Texas, somewhere we don't know. And we're both just screaming, like, Be quiet. And I thought, I need the mom claw. Like that my mom would just put a hand in the back seat. And when you saw that hand come back, the whole car just went silent. Yeah, I, I feel like I don't. I don't have that. I don't have that. It stops here. Except my screaming, you know, which they, they I can get to that point sometimes. And and as we've talked about, the problem with that is even that's like if you're all bark and, and no bite, which of course you are. They're your children and you love them. Then then they, even your yelling just becomes something else. They can just just change the channel a little bit and not have to listen to. And it's fundamentally, we had an episode on yelling. And I do think there's a point at which... Yelling just always um, reaps less and less rewards. Like yelling yes. is a, it's a diminishing return on yelling and yelling at a certain point becomes weakness. Like it's not strength yelling. Right. It's an out of control kind of, I've got her kind of thing. Whereas that very calm, again, like my Darth Vader metaphor is just right on point here. Like Darth Vader doesn't scream and yell to keep people under control. He's just silent and scary. But the people are scared of Darth Vader. My kids aren't but scared that's of me. Why. They shouldn't be scared but of me. But that's what I'm saying. They're they're well, shouldn't they be a little scared of you? I guess that's what I guess that's what this episode is about. I think they should be a little scared of you. They should be a little scared of what will happen if they don't like yeah, there should be a line that they know they don't cross and and I guess once kids get to a certain age, they're gonna look for the line and look for the line. But I wanna go to my mom's great point on this. Okay, go ahead. So my mom was a family counselor and she talks a lot about kids' jobs is to push the boundaries and your job is to hold the line. Like kids actually really want control and boundaries and they constantly test them, but they're testing them to make sure they're still there. They're not testing them so you'll give them up. And that is so crucial to learn. And that I think is a lot about what this dynamic is about. Like they are pushing, and my mom always says this, keep the lines tighter than you really need them to be because kids will always test the lines and you want them to go a little bit outside the lines, but the lines stay the same. They have to be able to go a little bit outside, but you don't move the lines to accommodate the kids. And talking back is one of those issues. I feel like a lot of advice that's out there, there's a whole, there's a whole strain of advice about this. Cause of course I looked into different different ways to approach this. And I have some, I have some good ideas, but would I want to sort of dismiss out of hand? And maybe it's just because it frustrates me so much. There's a whole, there's a whole school of advice that goes, you know, when your kid says, you're not the boss of me, sure, it's tempting to respond. Yes, I am. And you need to put your shoes on, but that's not what we need to do. I think, yes, that's exactly what we need to do. And, and I don't, I don't well, agree. Well, you know, I think that's what we need to okay, do. Okay. Like we are, we are, 
meeting on a plateau of agreement. Like, right, that's that's the whole point of this. They can try a little bit, and then you say, no, exactly, I am the boss. Like, our kids aren't our, our, kids aren't our friends. People like authority. There is a fundamental human need for someone to be in control. Kids have that so much. And I remember, my mom passed away last year, and I remember... Going through, you know, her getting ill and it was, I felt so out of control. And when she passed away, we're Catholic and the priest came and I remember thinking like, ah, someone's here to take over. It was the most comforting and relaxing feeling after swimming in that sea of like, I'm not a doctor. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know how to make this better. And then when the priest came in to be like, okay, now we're going to do the funeral and here's how it's going to go. And you are just along for the ride. It was wonderful. I mean, wonderful in the context, but you know, it, people like to be taken care of. Kids like to be taken care of. And one of the ways you take care of kids is being in control of them, being the boss of them. Being the boss, it sounds like it's bad because you think you're Darth Vader. Being the boss and really letting your kids know hey, you can test the boundaries. You can try on like new personas. You can fight the roles you're given, but I'm in charge and I'm going to stay in charge. That's a good thing. And I guess, I guess that, that gets to the point of why you can't or you shouldn't yell or lose control in response. Your kids want you to be in control when you, you know, lose your mind because they're being insufficiently respectful or haven't listened the first 10 times you turn off the iPad. Even though you have a right to be angry, when you lose control, then they see you not being in control and they very much want you to be in control, it seems like to me. So that this idea about staying calm in response is about showing them who's in control and therefore maintaining control and therefore keeping this thing from spiraling and continuing to get worse. You know, not because it's like, it, oh, it's, you have to be your friend, your kid's friend. That's not, a, that's not what the staying calm has to be about. And everything, I'm speaking on a spectrum. These are overall guidelines, overall. But it, it's definitely, I, I definitely get more ticked off when my kids act like this in front of other people and it probably shouldn't play into it but it does like respect my authority in front of this other person I was talking to somebody who lives in our apartment building yesterday in our lobby and one of my kids was like what time is it mom what time is it what time and and, and, you know and I stopped and I looked at this child and said I am talking to a grown-up and it's unbelievable you you do not interrupt two grown-ups that are talking to ask what time it is and then this kid was like well, just tell me what time it is and I'm going to be like, and, 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 you know, like, right. and I'm like, if I actually ring your neck right now, will somebody call the cops on me? Because I can't, because I'm caught between my rage response and, and, and it, and it was, but it was really, yes, about that this person was standing here and all of a sudden, even though they weren't, they, they probably just wanted to get away from the conversation. But to, to me, it was like, I must right now show this stranger that I know how to, you know, right. discipline you're doing my a children performance properly. art piece. You're not, performance yeah, you're art. not parenting anymore. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and my kid, of course, was totally embarrassed that I was calling this child out in front of this stranger and, and PS deserved it. But it, yeah, it ramped up into a, uh, a power struggle over what time it was. Well, it is a power struggle. Fundamentally, what we're talking about is a power struggle. Yes, yes, it is. We've talked about 
in terms of like kids leave for college. Okay, then you've got to let go. If you haven't practiced letting go when they're four and letting them go to the snack bar by themselves at the pool and buy something and come back, you're not going to be ready when they're 18 to say goodbye to them at college. Like they're going to start doing nonsense when they're high schoolers. And if they don't see you as a somewhat frightening authority figure, it's going to be hard to start asserting that when they start, you know, doing nonsense. Yeah. You've got to hold these lines. I think I handled that right in in the situation. I hope that this kid will know not to do that in the future, but it was really about my parenting report card and not about my my positive relationship with this child. But maybe that's fine. Maybe sometimes it needs to be. Well, I think you have to really like see the forest for the trees. Is that the right metaphor? Like these are not the individual incidents, like the bad interrupting, they are not going to be determinative. If you feel overall that you have lost your child seeing you as an authority, you need to reassert that. That, that It's the big picture thing. Like I feel overall that my kids see me as an authority. I, I'll go back to my overall theory of parenting, which is you're kind of the hearth keeper. Like you are the fire tender and everybody gathers around your fire. Mm-hmm. There's a cost to sitting at the fire and you have to behave correctly to sit around the hearth fire. And you make the hearth very warm and very a a place people want to be, your kids want to be. But if they act the fool, they have to step away from the hearth for a minute. Like they're frozen out a little bit. That's your whole life with your kids. And then eventually they wander off to like college, wife, wherever they go. But then eventually they're like, oh, I want to take you back and visit this great hearth. You know, like that's your job is to be the tender of the hearth and to set the rules for staying around the hearth fire. They're going to wander away at times, but then you've got to hope that they remember like, oh, there's this warm, wonderful place that I can go back to, but you got to let them wander away. And when they come back, you've got to be like, you can only sit at the hearth if you obey the rules of the hearth. (laughs) So I uh, looked up some advice from Lauren Tam, who's the military wife and mom. Is it better than my hearth metaphor? Uh, I doubt it, Lauren, but come at me. I I figured, because I was looking for justification on like, respect my authority, here's how to make kids stop talking back, because in my house, they don't talk back, and here's how. I thought that the military- (laughs) So you went to the military mom. I'm like, this is it. I'm going to click on this one. And and her advice was, to me, completely unexpected and uh, very useful. And I think I should tell you about it after the break. Oh, I like a teaser, Amy. You know I like a teaser. (laughs) All right, Amy's going to tell us this great theory, which, let's be honest, is it really going to beat my hearth metaphor? I doubt, but she's going to tell us about it after the break. We'll be right back. Okay, so this episode is about talking back, and I'm here with a uh, an advocate for the, the kid side of things. Uh, ma'am, how old are you? Ten. And are you ever accused of talking back to your mother? Yes. And are you ever like, that wasn't talking back? Sometimes. What is talking back? What is that? What do you think talking back is? I'm really not sure because um, sometimes I feel like you always have to answer a question and that's even talking back. So sometimes I don't get what talking back is. Like if, if I said to you, come on, it's time to leave, put your shoes on, and you were like, what should I? I don't want to put my shoes on. What do you have to do with What do you have to do with Is that talking back? Yes, but I don't really do that. You be the mom, and I be the kid. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Put your shoes on. Why do you have to tell me everything twice? Because you're not doing it. 
don't have to, like, say it more than one time. Okay, so go do it then. I will. Okay. In a minute. No, not in a minute. When I feel like it. No, you're going to be late for school, and then you're not going to be able to get into a good college. I'm not even going to be late for school. Yes, you are. Go put your shoes on. I don't even want to go to college. Too bad. Go put your shoes on. That was really good. I think we should trade places more often. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back. Amy, come at me, military mom. Okay, so the military wife and mom, I wanted to see what she had to say about back talk because I was sure it didn't happen in her house because she had... Uh, you know, I don't know why she makes them do push-ups. And uh, instead, she talks about reframing. And I thought this was really useful. She says, backtalk, whining, and disrespect is always about meeting a need for power. When a child is digging their heels into all of these behaviors, she or he is likely feeling powerless. If what you see is disrespect, you'll react as if you're being disrespected. But if what you see is a child asking for help, you'll react as if someone genuinely needs help. So you don't have to worry about changing your reaction. Instead, change your perception. I I applied this to this, what I was talking about before when I was trying to help my kid pack his trunk 
and how he ended up yelling at me that I ruined everything after I was trying to help him do it instead of just do it myself for three hours. And and I was like, you know, I was seeing red because I had given my morning over to packing and I could have done it myself in 20 minutes. And instead I'm fighting with him for three hours. But the reason that he was digging in his heels, I'm ruining everything, being disrespectful is that he's feeling anxious about going to camp. He's feeling stressed. Right. And he and he said, you know, you have to let me do this myself. And And yes, I have a hard time letting go. I don't think... This child is capable of packing himself for three weeks and going to a place where he won't be able to contact me and and having everything he needs without a lot of oversight. And that might be on me. He said, I, you know, he started taking everything back out of the trunk and I was losing my mind. He's like, I need to know what's in here. I need to know where everything is. And when I stopped and I stopped focusing on the fact that he was barking at me and and started listening to what he was actually saying, which is, I need to have control over this mom. Yeah, he does. And that's what both of us want, right? I don't, I don't want to be doing this stuff for him forever. I can't. And so he needs to adult it a little bit. And and that's what he was telling me he needed to do. And he was feeling powerless because I was taking over the situation as I tend to do with my super organization. You know, once I was able to reframe it that way, you know, I took time out for myself, went back in the room and I said, I know you're really stressed about making sure you have everything. And I'm stressed because I want to make sure you have everything. So how do you want to do this? And then we started over again and got it done without any more of the of the yelling. So I found this actually really helpful, really helpful advice. I have a key phrase for this. When things start spiraling out of control, I try to go to my touchstone phrase, can we make a deal? And it tends to calm things down. That's the thing of like, we're going to go to the pool. Let's go, wait, wait, we can't go to the pool. I did, I did. And okay, what seems to be the problem? Like, why is this causing this much drama? Oh, because you got that new video game and that's what you were looking forward to doing. So you don't want to go to the pool. And so when the kind of frenetic panic back talk starts, I try to go back to this phrase, can we make a deal? Especially my oldest, it really works for him. He, he usually like hears it and he's like, okay, what is it? And I'm like, why don't you come home, play your game for 45 minutes, and then we go to the pool and meet up with friends done. Can we make a deal? It's a nice phrase for me. Yeah. I think it's a, it's kind of a a game changer for me. It, it, It helps me reframe. It's about me helping you through the anxieties you're having about this current thing, which are making you be like, resist, resist. And, and the dynamic that gets set up often in everyone's lives and in your trunk situation is either you pack it yourself or oversee every tiny detail of it, or your son will be miserable at camp because he doesn't have a bathing suit. Or from your son's point of view, either you control everything and it's not the way he wants it, or he's miserable, you know, like try to back off of like, you go straight to crazy corners and it's like, wait a minute, this is not that big a deal. Like, how about you pack the trunk and then I just double check it. Can we make that deal? How about I come in every 10 minutes and see if you need any help. How about you pack the trunk, I make a checklist, and then we go through and make sure everything's there. Like, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, you know? It doesn't always have to be like, how about I scream at you and you're miserable? (laughs) There's, There's a lot of middle ground. Right. You have to consider, Tamikia Reese wrote an article about this for parenting, and she said, you know, your child is already, when you're, when you're in it, when they're talking back to you, they're already feeling intense emotions and responding like, how, you know, how dare you talk to me like that? I'm your mother. It isn't going to help them 
ramp down their intense emotions. And it isn't about your little wildflower of a child. It's about diffusing the argument, right? So to diffuse the argument, you can't lean into it by yelling back at them. You have to try to, you can say to them, I can see that you're mad. You can't talk to me like that, but why don't you tell me what you're really upset about? You can try to come at it like that. Yes, um, but do not ever lose the part of that statement, which is you cannot talk to me exactly. like that. That's, that's the part that I, that I struggle a little bit with, oh, you have to let it wash over you. Like, no. No, don't let it wash line. over you. It always begins with, you are not allowed to speak to me that way. Now, can we figure out another way to do this that is not so fraught? Dr. Laura Markham says you should say something like this. You can tell me what you're upset about without attacking me. What's, what's going on? And I liked that too. That was yeah. a good way to phrase it. Another thing that we do as my touchstone, I have several, but one of them is my whiteboard. And we use the whiteboard for this purpose right now. I have a kid who has some verbal stuff going on and some like, you know, actual language delay stuff going on. And I genuinely think it is harder for him than my other kids to know what is appropriate and not appropriate. Like it is harder for him. I, he often, I, he often says to me, Hey, get that for me. And I say, that's not an appropriate way to speak to me. And he says, why? Like he's, I think he actually struggles with the difference between talking to an adult and a peer. Like there are some disconnects there that he actually doesn't totally understand inherently the way that some other kids do. And so we go to the whiteboard and he gets, depends on the day. It's been less. Sometimes it was 10. Now it's probably six boxes a day. I don't get in a fight with him about it, but I say to him, you may not speak rudely to me. Every time you speak rudely to me, you get an X in the box. And if you fill the boxes, you don't get dessert. And it works really well. Like it's kind of like a little bit more fundamental, like a little bit more like dog training. Here's the thing. You don't speak rudely in the house. It's not, I don't care what's going on. You don't speak rudely. It's the same thing. It's like my kids have been hitting each other a lot because it's summer and everyone's on top of each other. And it's like, oh, well, he punched me. She punched me. What? Don't punch your sister. But he did this thing. It's like, right. I get that he was doing something really annoying, but you never put your hands on anybody else in this house. Period. End of story. And so, yes, there's a justification for why you punched him. Of course, he was being really, really annoying. But fundamentally, you don't punch. You never hit anybody. Fundamentally, you don't speak rudely to me. And if you do, you get an X. And my son really doesn't want to get six X's. He loves dessert. I mean, I believe in the whiteboard and as, as you know, they get to be teenagers, they don't want to deal with the whiteboard, but they, I, I can definitely give them three chances and then take their phone and they don't even resist on that because that's, that's the currency. Now I, now I have your phone for a yeah. while. It works. It works to stop the back talk in the moment. It doesn't necessarily, they they've stopped talking back to you, but they're really angry at you. Oh, and the it fuel is still there. Yeah. The fuel is still there. But that's another of my momisms, which is you only deal with the behavior. Like you have to, you have to deal with the behavior. You can get underneath it, but the behavior you need to address. The behavior never becomes acceptable. If you're talking back, hitting, those behaviors are going to stop. We can talk about what's underneath them, but the behavior is going to stop. Dr. Markham has a tip that is so, it's one of these like, like, yes, I know, but actually following it can sometimes be hard for me that if you want your kids to be respectful and kind and not yell and not be sassy, then you need to monitor that in yourself, your own Ugh. level of respect. We hate and this kindness. rule, but it's so true. Right? Pretty I, much the same with everything, guys. Screens, food. I, I, I have a hard time when my kid is like, you know, I don't like, why would you tell me to do that? I already did, I already took the garbage out, whatever. And I'm like, 
<laughs> are you like I get all like snap queen in their faces and and it's and I think there is a little part of me that might relish the oh you think you can talk like that to me I got all day to come back at you like there are times <laughs> when I'm in that mood you like throw down queen right I will give you another annoying arm of this watch how you talk to your spouse yep because my husband and I are really good about backing each other up on like, don't speak to your father that way. Don't speak to your mother that way. Like you're not going to disrespect my husband or my wife in this house. But, and my husband always speaks to me politely, but I do not always speak to my husband politely. When I get frustrated, it's the first thing to go. And I'm like, when my kids were little, (laughs) they would occasionally call for their dad by going, David. I was like, oh my God, it's just parrots. They're just hearing the way that I screech at my husband and they're parroting it. When I talk to my husband disrespectfully in front of my children, it teaches my children it is okay to speak disrespectfully to him. And that is terrible. It's a tough one. And it's interesting you say that you both do that because my husband definitely does that for me. Like, don't speak to your mother that way. But I have never said, hey, you don't speak to my husband that way. It has never occurred to me that standing up for my, my spouse's honor is something I'm supposed to do. Too. I mean, I definitely do that part, but man, do I do the other part where I'm like, David, could you just put it in the back of the car? And it's like, who am I talking to that way? Like the person I married who I chose to like form my life with. And then we have this book that I may have mentioned before, and it's probably out of print, but it's called What Children Learn from Their Parents' Marriages. And it's like a 300 page book, but I'm going to summarize it for you right now. What they learn is to treat other people and their own spouses the exact way that you treat your spouse. It's a hard one for me because when I get, and I think this is a very mom thing, which is like, listen guys, I, uh, my boat is full. I, my, what did you say on another episode? Like my coping cup is empty. I can't possibly be expected. David, just get that stuff in the car. I'm full up. I cannot, da, 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 da. Like that mode is horrible. And I got to try harder to stay out of it because it's very easy to get in that story of like, I'm so put upon and I do everything and I just have nothing left to speak kindly to my husband. And then you're yelling at your kids for speaking rudely. It's like they learned it at home. Yeah. They learned it from the best. Yeah, no, that's true. And sometimes when I'm called out on it, it's like, but yeah, there's there's extenuating circumstances. Like I just packed the car. So of course, yeah, I get to talk like this because we were supposed to leave half an hour ago, but you you don't really get to talk like that and then be mad that other people talk like that. Yeah, it's a hard one because it's really, really fun and um, relaxing to yell at other people. But if you do it too much, your kids kind of get the idea that that's how they're supposed to talk to people. (laughs) Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. 
If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. I, I have a study. Want to hear a study? Because there's always, I love your studies, There's always Amy. a study to make you feel a little bit better. Uh, a University of Virginia study asked a couple hundred 13-year-olds to describe a big fight that they'd recently had with one or other parent, which is funny, of course, assuming that there had been one, and how did it go and what did they fight about? And then they waited two years and then they went back to those kids and they asked them what were seemingly unrelated questions about peer pressure and arguments they have with their friends and how well they withstand pushing back when their friend wants them to do something they don't want to do. The kids who learned that it was acceptable to disagree with their parents while remaining calm were much better at withstanding peer pressure and standing up to their peers. So actually teaching our kids to disagree without yelling and screaming, but respectfully, like it's okay to stand up for yourself. It's actually a good thing for us to be teaching our kids. I mean, that makes sense. That's one of those studies where you're like, wait, there's 6,000 other factors that are at play there that are not part of that study. But yeah, I mean, I do think that having, raising kids who are just unbelievably terrified of their parents and so they behave like crazy robots to try to keep everyone happy, obviously a problem. Having kids who just have no respect for your authority and then are going to come home like vaping and you're going to be like, could you stop doing that? And they're going to say, no, no thanks. You're a dummy. Like that's, that's not good either. But there is a sweet spot where like, and I do think the key is you hold such a hard line on behavior. You can have tons of conversations about what's going on underneath it. But at the end of the day, you hold a line on the behavior. I just put something up on Facebook because we're having a problem with my middle guy about complaining. And it has really just started. I, I said like, oh, I've got this, the middle kid. And it's true. Everything we go to do, I don't want to. I, he's doctor. No, everything is, I don't want to. It's not going to be fun. And before we can do anything, we have to have this half an hour. And then I become like the harpy mom at the water park. Who's like, see, see, see how much fun you're having. Remember when you said you didn't want to come? It's like, oh, this is a useless interaction and relationship. And a friend of mine actually said, oh, I was this kid when I was younger. And it was just, I didn't, I was anxiety. Like I didn't yep, want to yep. go and I was worried. And a lot of people, a lot of people weighed in and were like, just tell them to stop complaining and put them in the car, which is basically what I do. That's not the part I have problems with. But then a lot of people were saying like, Hey, there's a lot of stuff about anxiety there. Maybe give them a choice. Like, okay, we're going, but do you want to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt? Or we're going, but do you want to take this route or this route? Or we're going. And, and I thought the problem I have is not with the authoritarian part, which is get in the car. We're going. I always do that part. But there is a way to sort of balance the how to deal with the anxiety, but the behavior is unacceptable. You have to shut down. The complaining is not optional. Yeah, you I must stop complaining, but 
can we help you cope with it a little bit better? I think, I think if you can perceive it as powerlessness, right? Like what the military mom was saying before, like you, when your kid is saying, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to the water park. And you're like, I'm taking a day off from work to take you to the water park. Right. And, and I just went online go. and spent $3,000 right, on tickets. Right. And all, and all of that, you know, and you're like, what are you like? You must respect me. But, but when you can hear what's coming from your kid, not as disrespect of you, but of feeling of powerlessness, then you think, why are they fearing, feeling powerless and get to the bottom? Like my, my friend's kid used to be like this. Oh my gosh. And we spent a lot of time together and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't like peanut butter. Like what, whatever Ugh, it was, yes. no to everything. They kind of grow out of it as they get older and get to make more of their own decisions about how they're spending their, their time. But yeah, it, it's, it strikes me that that's really what it's about, right? That's your, that's your kid feeling powerless and he still has to go to the water park and he is still going to have a good time. But if you can take it less personally that he's not, and it's not easy, right? Like take it less personally when your kid isn't respecting the gift of time and attention that you're giving them when you could be doing other things. And instead they're talking back to you. It, it makes me crazy sometimes, but try to peel the onion a little bit and be like, why, why are they resisting? First step, though, is, okay, stop complaining. Second step, can we make a deal? They're, they're both important steps. Yeah. First step has to be, you have to stop the negative behavior. Okay, now that you've stopped the negative behavior, let's see if we can get underneath and figure out what's making you nervous about this. I also think it's okay, you know, when I'm saying that try to let go of your own, like, hurt feelings or, or anger about things. I guess I'm not saying that you don't have to let them know that. I am most successful in these moments when I can say to my kid, I feel so angry that you're talking to me like that. Or, you know, it really hurts my feelings that I spent, I set aside all morning to help you with this. And now you're saying it's my fault that we're not done when I've been here in your room the whole time. You know, what, whatever you could, if you can say it calmly and state the feelings, that's when I feel like my kids really take a step back and get it and say, think, oh, oh, this is a, this is a person who has feelings. She's not just a safe space for all of my invective and venom. <laughs> yes. Especially as they get older. I think when they're younger, like I find I say that to my kids and it gets them very emotional and upset. Like I have to be a little careful about that card when they're littler, because sometimes I'm like, you really hurt my feelings and it'll send one of my kids to do a real tailspin. Like, yeah. And now my mom hates me because I, and it's like, they're almost, sometimes they're like the littler kids are almost not ready for that language that, that's yet. True. You know, it's like that card is kind of heavy for little kids. Like I had my kid for the first time ever say, I wish you weren't my mom. And I was like, that's the meanest thing you could say to me. That really hurts my feelings. And it kind of went sideways on me. He was like so upset, you know, it just became a full day thing, you know? So I have another funny story about this, which is my brother-in-law, who's a Marine. Oh yeah. What does he do with all this? What's, what's the talking back like in that house? So his kids are too little yet. So we haven't gotten there yet, but he came up before he had kids with my sister-in-law and he is a retired Marine and now works as a landscape architect, you know, designing outdoor plant stuff. I'm sure that's exactly how he'd (laughs) like me to describe it. It's on his business cards. Outdoor plant stuff by me. We were doing, we had a Boy Scout meeting And we were doing bulb planting. So I said to him, hey, do you want to come to the Boy Scout meeting and help me get these kids to plant bulbs? And he was like so excited. So I introduce him and the boys all gather around and it was first graders. And he's like, okay, guys. So a bulb, and he starts kind of going into a very detailed explanation about how a bulb works through the seasons and stuff. So he lost the crowd quite quickly. They started acting crazy and acting up. And immediately he was like, I need you boys to settle down. And then they did. They got scared. But then like five seconds later, he started. they started up again. And I was like, yeah, you went full Marine too early. 
Like you had nothing left in your, in, at the end of it, you know? And I think it's funny, like that authoritarianism, it has a role, but that's exactly the problem. Like when the behavior comes at you and you try to authority it back and then it keeps going, you're like, I'm out. I'm out. I got nothing left in the arsenal. Right, right. I went full Marine and now they know that like, I got nothing and left. Nothing I got, there's nothing to bag it up. And I was like, at this point you basically just have to run. So yeah. So your only, your only um, recourse then is to like, I, I, I'm figuring out as we've been talking about this, that it's okay to let kids speak up for themselves, that it's good. And they're entitled. They're entitled. Your son is certainly entitled to say he doesn't want to go to the water park. Even if it makes you like crazy, he's not entitled to, be rude about it, to whine about it, to give you a hard time about it, right? These are the things that aren't okay. And and to try to help them learn how to express themselves without being rude is the key. And we have to do that by expressing ourselves without being, without screaming and without being rude. Back. And you have to do it all day, every day for the rest of your life, basically. Okay, right, like it's not, it's not a one-time thing. Like my kids, I've been holding the line for months and we went to the hibachi restaurant last night and they were like, this is so stupid. I can't believe, you know, I mean, it was horrible. Like it's always, you're always going back to one on this one too. Like, oh, we're having problems with the talk back now. Let's get the whiteboard out again, six chances a day. Like you got to keep resetting the lines, resetting the lines, but it's exhausting. They try to wear you down with it, but they want, fundamentally, they want those lines. A kid who is walk in the door and be like, mom, you're such an idiot. Get out of my way. That's a kid who's lost and miserable. Like I do. And I find this with, when I deal with other kids, like when I deal with kids who are wherever I meet them in the world, a little bit out of control, I find I can almost see it in their faces where I'm like, that's not how we talk in my house. And we're not doing that here. It doesn't fix them. They don't suddenly become magically great kids, but I feel like they relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like there is a reason why people like a strong authoritarian figure. Like if someone else is in charge, you can relax and think about other things and give your kids the gift of that. Like, yes, you don't want to be Darth Vader. You don't want to be like the great Santini, Oldie Locks Alert. Back in my day. You don't want to be the militaristic authoritarian dad who just breaks the kid's spirit, but you're not that. You're just resetting the lines and saying like in this house, this is how we behave. A little more Yoda and a little less Darth Vader. Or is it Yoda. Obi-Wan? I feel like yeah, Yoda's a totally total, lost me with Yoda's an reference. authority figure. Oh, and, that's and true. You could like pick him up and throw him, but you do, you do what Yoda says and he really that's doesn't true. yell. That's true. That is true. And that's good. He has really bad syntax. Maybe I should try, <laughs> maybe I should try talking, responding Pack to my your kids. your trunk, we will. Calmly, right. And with in weird syntax, they have to stop and think about it. I, I mean, really it would definitely them confuse them. You'd get them on the confusion factor for sure. All right. I feel like we solved this one, Amy. I totally feel like we know what we need it. to do. We need to know what we need. I need to speak more nicely to my husband. Oh. Yeah. All right. Hard. Okay. Oh, I'm going to try. All right. So we want to know what's going on at your house. Are your kids talking back? I mean, they are. Let's be honest. We want you to come visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast and tell us what's going on at your house. I'm going to put the links to some of the different studies and parenting experts takes on this that we discussed today on our website, which is whatfreshhellpodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram, which is what Fresh Hell cast or on Twitter at WFH podcast. Guys, keep those Apple podcast ratings and reviews coming. We have 99 reviews. And oh, it, come on. Yeah. Who's going to be number 100? Come on. You know if you're you listening it. and you haven't reviewed, go review it right now. You can be number 100. We have uh, directions on our website. It's totally easy. Of course, Amy's written you a 
handy list of instructions how to get through it. Uh, And with that, guys, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life stucks.